this is a Your Farm Business Podcast with Mike Prowse of P2P Agri. Welcome, Judy, to our third podcast on succession planning. Judy, in our first two podcasts, we discuss why it's important to get started and what a good succession planning process should include. In this, our last podcast, I wanted to explore how some of the negative stories that are out there about poor succession planning outcomes should not deter people from actually doing it. Rather, they demonstrate how critical it is to follow an effective process and should be motivational for what to avoid. What's your take on this, Judy? Well, I agree with you, Mike. I think we're all too willing to share things that haven't gone well. In communities, we can watch it happening over the fence or we can watch happening down the road. We can see where some fellow has worked all his life on the farm only to find out that in the end, the sisters are going to get as much as he's got. And so that can be in social and community circles, can be looked at as being quite horrific or quite terrible and be talked up. And and so we kind of hide behind that going, oh, gosh, you know, like this is awful. We wouldn't want that to happen. But what do we do to do things differently? I think also we don't always know exactly what's gone on in that family. We don't exactly know what the background has been. So we should be quite careful about how we judge it as well. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a case where I went in to do a family meeting and the end result about 18 months later was that it was the whole thing was sold and everybody got out of farming, everybody went their own way. And Mm -hmm. it looked disastrous, but it actually was what had to happen. So so to me, it wasn't a terrible outcome. It was what is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the situation was that you had to accept what was going on and decisions had to be made around that. And the outcome was only this one outcome and everyone agreed to it. So it could have looked disastrous, but what it was was what had to happen. Well, I guess now, the important thing there is everyone agreed to it, but you wouldn't necessarily know that from the outside, from always. the other side of the fence. So that no, was a good and, result. And often you hear one member of the family whinge about what's happened. And, mm. yes, you don't always get the whole story. One of the things I do think you have to think about, though, in this situation is what is best for everyone. There might be situations, say, where there is a father and son that are loggerheads and it's not going well and it doesn't look like it ever can go well. So there has to be a decision made about whether you stay. I have a little rhyme for this. You put up and shut up or you piss off. So let's <laughs> let's explore that a little bit. So you've got to recognise what is. If it is, or it could be two brothers, not a father and son. It yeah. could be that you are never going to get on. It's not mm-hmm. going to work well. Someone is going to be upset or mm-hmm. cross all of their life. Mm-hmm. And someone else is going to be thinking he's doing more than the other. So if you've got to accept the, the what is situation mm-hmm. and make a decision around that. Now, the mm-hmm. reason that you would put up and stay is because you've got too much at stake, but you must work on how you're going to stay without becoming bitter and twisted, you know, like a whinging jackaroo in your 40s. You Mm. want to make sure that you can manage the situation and that you're not giving up your mental health Mm. for Mm. this. Mm. Also, there might be a lot at stake. So if you hang around long enough, you know, you'll be okay. But certainly don't whinge or grizzle about it. You've got to make an environment where you're going to get on. And the other thing is you could decide to go. You could say, well, this is no good for me. I've got to go and and leave. In some cases I have seen young people put together 
proposals to say, look, I've got to go because I can't stay. And then you find dad saying, well, gosh, I can't do it on my own. And they'll say, oh. <laughs> oh, but I am needed, am I? <laughs> I didn't yes. think I was needed. Okay. So if you're going to make that threat, if you're going to say, look, I'm going to go, mm-hmm. you've got to be prepared to go. You've got to be prepared to follow through. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen. And then mm-hmm. I've seen somebody come back and ask them to return. While right. you're sitting on the outside, while you're out there in no man's land, make the arrangements or have the discussions about how you are prepared to go back. Right. Don't okay. do it while you're in there. Don't try and whinge about it when you get back there. Make those decisions of how you're going to make this work or how you want it to work before you go back in. And I've done a few meetings like that too where someone has left mm. and then mm. they've decided, oh, gosh, we can't manage without them, so let's ask them to come back. And the arrangements have been quite different. There's been okay. money sorted out, housing sorted out, remuneration packages. And so a lot of issues were actually worked through. I remember yeah. having um, mum and dad decide that, we want the sons to work together because that's what we think the economic unit was going to be. And mm-hmm. the sons were sort of forced into that for a period of time. And then I sort of came in and we looked at what if we did split the business up? Do we have two viable businesses? And I did the modelling. And as it turned out, we did. And yeah. so against mum and dad's will, the sons did divide and that saved their mental health. It yeah. gave them separate destinies, which they wanted to have. And yeah. still, in the end of the day, mum and dad still have the family name in the district still farm. Yeah. yeah. I've done some similar ones where mm. we have started out at the beginning with the intent that we were split in five years or ten years. Mm. Interestingly, mm. one of those that I've done are still working together. Okay. Economies of scale. They've got different enterprises. So, no. you know, there are lots of successes which may look a bit ordinary to start with but end up being what should happen, really. Because like we talked about, there used to be a saying about leaving your farm to your children was like child abuse, but it could <laughs> be like leaving two brothers to work together who are incredibly different personalities. And, and that could be different demand. Sometimes there's generational difference as well. Like if you've got a child who's six or eight years older than another child, there is nearly a whole generation today Mm. nearly a whole generation of different attitudes and different needs and wants and different expectations around that so you know to be forcing them to work together could be like you say driving a nail between them really it's really hard so So I guess my feeling is that we talk through these things we identify what the issues are and what the needs are and if we keep talking we'll actually find strategies that could be implemented to help it come to fruition, I guess. Yeah. And it's really that talking through and also doing the financial analysis to see what is possible. And definitely that's got to be a consideration, like the capacity of the business, the capability and the financial setup. It's difficult because when farming gets droughts chucked at it like it does in a couple of years off, it it does make things pretty tight and pretty ordinary. The other thing too, I guess I'd like to just mention, I don't know whether it's a case study, but it's certainly around making sure that secession really has to consider the generations before. Like when I go in to do a meeting, I think I'm sitting there with all these people with relationships with one another, but there's another relationship that's not even in the room and it's the relationship with the land. This has really strong impacts on lots of people, even people who are off farm who aren't mm. working farm. There's this relationship about this property or this place or this home, mm. which you can't brush under the carpet. You've got to address it. 
and talk mm -hmm. about it and work out where mm -hmm. it fits with everyone. The mm. other thing is, is that sometimes these farms have come down a couple of generations. So we're not just answering just to ourselves in the room, but to the people who have pioneered it, who've worked hard and have got you to the position that you might be in, yeah. where there's thousands of acres instead of hundreds of acres. So one of the things I say is that mm. you must do something about your parents. <laughs> you must make <laughs> sure you take care of them because yeah. what you want to do ultimately is settle them somewhere where they're happy and they're content. You know, they've got their life to live and then you get to have your chance. So don't be in a rush to get rid of them and make sure that they, you know, it's mm. done properly. Mm. And I have this little theory about this is that they need somewhere to live that's independent of farming and right. farming income that is either paid for or paid for by something else, but it's got to be there so that it's not impacted by drought, downturn and bad decisions. Yeah. The same mm -hmm. with the money. There must be some money that's isolated for them to use that, mm -hmm. again, is not impacted by a rubbish crop this year and they feel guilty about you doing it tough so therefore they don't spend. Yes, they, don't they go without and things like yeah, so, that. Yes, so it's got to be that that's theirs and you're not allowed to mess with that. You can't come mm -hmm. back and want it. So it's about mm -hmm. that. And it's mm -hmm. also they need something to do. Yeah, and that's <laughs> probably their responsibility too to say, look, I, I do want to yeah. go fishing or I do want to go grey nomading or I do yeah. want to do this and everyone know what that purpose is. Yeah, it would be great if it was that simple, but that's three things you can think about. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it takes a bit of time to work through these things and you can't expect it all to be solved in one day no. or one meeting. Because interestingly, what happens is when you ask the parents, she wants to go to the beach and he doesn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wants to stay on the farm and I still want to be there. So, yeah. so, but we have to accept oh. what is. That's the no. difficult bit. This is the situation we're in. These are the facts. This is what's real. Mm -hmm. This is what we have to deal with. And let's look at the opportunity within that, not yeah. the barriers that will stop change to happen. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. On that note, Judy, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed our chat. And I just hope uh, our listeners out there have also got value out of it because it is a difficult issue and a difficult thing that we continue to grapple with in the rural community. So thank you yeah. very much, Judy. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Judy, for those many insights. I think there are five take-home messages from this last discussion. Number one, look for solutions that is best for everyone. Number two, you can decide to leave. Number three, you may be able to split and create two viable farming businesses, but do the financial modelling. Number four, understand the family history and everyone's connection to the land. And number five, take care of mum and dad so that they can be financially independent, especially in times of drought, and that they have something to do. 